Our places, our people. These are our stories. Welcome to part two of our stories featuring at the Darling Down Zoo and how it was that our region managed to get a zoo. If you missed it, part one is still available for you there on the listener app. But we pick up uh, with the imminent opening of the zoo and uh, what the trials and tribulations were that led to the first day of trading and then the last 20 years of the Darling Down Zoo. I could only imagine too that there probably would be some backlash that that there whilst there's going to be positive stuff there's also you're going to have at some stage somebody saying oh you know but you've got animals in captive and you're you're doing this and you're doing did that come into it at any stage where we put in the da it was through clifton council it wasn't toowoomba council and clifton council said for the first time ever they actually had people in support of an application of a da they'd never had that before Wonderful. they'd only ever had the people complaining and yes we yep. had the next door neighbor say oh what if my cows don't come down to water and somebody else yeah, said what if yeah. the dingo the dingoes that the zoo has uh, brings in the wild dingoes council went well that's good we know where to go to bait them um <laughs> Uh, but they had people in support and they'd never had that before. So yep. even before we started, we had local support building. And the local support has got us through so much over the last 20 years. Yes. Um, so, you know, it it really does you, bolster you. Our biggest hardship was when we, you know, we put everything into it. We didn't have a lot of money building it. The animals ate a lot better than what we did. Um, <laughs> but... Just before we were due to open on the Friday afternoon, we're going to open on the Sunday. Yes. We've got a, four, p, 4 p.m. We got a fax from the government back in those days. Faxes. Faxes, yes. And um, they said if we open, we'll get a $70,000 fine oh. because they've decided that um, it's too dangerous. So what had happened was we'd only had one staff member at that stage and uh, she was quite disgruntled before we opened because she knew that we were going to leave the zoo to her. Oh. And we went, What? <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> so uh, in the end, we had a, a, a bad uh, case of her leaving, and she put out a whole big thing saying that we fed maggoty meat to lions, that our yes. cages were rickety, and things were going to fall yes. over. And she sent this. that into um, the Wildlife Parks Association of Queensland, which was headed by um, SeaWorld. Those guys had rung us up the week prior and said, Can they come out? We said, Sure, no worries. They came out, no worries. Um, and then the day before we're opening, they, uh, the two days before we're opening, they had said, submitted that to the government saying that <sighs> we shouldn't be allowed to be open because, you know, a lion could get out, which was absolute nonsense. Dear, oh dear. Um, so how far does this set you back? Three months. Yeah. And we, Goodness looking me. back, you can laugh. We even had the local copy had to be armed to be there because it was, he were told it not safe, uh, for the inspection on Monday morning with the government. And they came in with all the big wigs and the, the head of the RSPCA and, in a way that bolstered us because the head of the RSPCA didn't say anything to us the whole time. He was very closed mouth and very stern and just looking and asking questions. And, um, you know, we we're quite scared at that stage, you know, and he went out to, I think it was nine out the front in the Courier Mail and said, if other people looked after their animals as well as this zoo looked after theirs, there'd be no need for us. Isn't that wonderful? And so the media came in afterwards and, yes. to and told us this and you know, that didn't actually get reported. Of course. So yeah, uh, they did go through some, some silly stuff. They, um, they wanted a you know, bathtub full of water for the lions. Right. If something happened to us, um, 
they would need to be able to survive. And it's like, well, all the other animals are going to be dead, but the lions will be fine because <laughs> yeah. they're gorge feeders. They don't eat every day. Um, so, yeah, there was some really strange things. But, you know, at that stage, the government, as I said, didn't really have a lot to fall back on as far as standards and things. They were yep. just working off the New South Wales standards. So it was a learning curve for, for them, I suppose, in a way too. Um, and uh, So opening day comes. Uh, was there an instant uh, reaction from the local community? Was Were people coming, lining up and being ready to go to, to see what was going on straight away or did yeah. it take a little while? Yeah, no, straight away. Um, uh, we never opened big. We never did a big yep. splash like some places do. Yeah, yeah. Some businesses just go put all that advertising out, yes. we're opening. We only ever opened small. You know, we call it a skeleton of a zoo. So we started with, um, I think it was about 120 animals of about yep. 25 species. And and how many do you have now, just to, for context? For a context, we have close to 600 animals oh, of about wow. 150, 160 species. Good so. grief. So it has grown considerably, yes, uh, which is just absolutely fantastic. And then, of course, I guess the, the you know the bread and butter is the the tour groups of the school groups and those sorts of things, uh, which then start coming. Do they do they approach you, or did you put the message out uh, to schools? Do, do and both. Uh, we we yep. do um, uh, mail outs and uh, these days emails out to schools uh, to let them know every year that don't forget to uh, book in your excursion. Uh, we've got you know bus companies that we did mass mail outs to, but often it's word of mouth that is better. You know, so as much as you can do all of that, 95, maybe even more percent is completely wasted. And, you know, the people that come are from word of mouth. Um, and often we'd have a teacher come and we'd, you know, they'd be here a week after we did the mail out and go, we'd never heard of you until so-and-so told us to come visit. And so I thought I'd come and see what you do. And you'd give them a school letter and go, I just mailed this to your school last week. Didn't you get it? <laughs> uh, oh, I can remember coming out with both my kids and yeah. uh, they just absolutely loved it. Uh, it was, uh, you know, just a wonderful day and uh, all the kids really enjoyed it. And so too, the, the mums and dads, and it was one of those ones where uh, the mums and dads were only too happy to put their hand up. Oh, I'll be a chaperone for the day. No problem at all. You know, because this is great. You know, you're coming out to see some some things that you don't just normally get to see, like lions and whatever yeah. it might be. Uh, and then, uh, as you say, that that animal, uh, the amount of animals that you've got there has grown so yeah. amazingly. Yeah. Uh, and of course, not long ago, I was out there to see one of your more recent uh, additions in the yep. uh, in the quackers from Western Australia. Isn't yep. it? I mean, just absolutely fantastic. So, with that, are you constantly looking? Well, or or are you getting contacted too to say, hey, could you take? Some animals, because I know that you were you showed us that you were housing animals sort of behind the scenes as well that were in transition and and yep. so forth. So that's a, another part of it that maybe people don't realise. There's a lot that people don't see, and a lot that we probably should promote better, but we're not very good at promoting ourselves. Um, uh, we've done uh, bred bilbies uh, for years, and many have gone to release both in Western Australia and in, in Queensland. Wow. Some are on uh, display at Charleville and other yep. zoos. Um, so we've done a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that people don't see. Okay. And as I say, we're terrible at promoting. Um, so, yes, there is always that ongoing. You've also got to plan ahead. Most yep. of our imports have taken a minimum of two years. Uh, our longest took six years. Wow. Uh, almost to the day. And so not many small zoos import and export because there is a lot of red tape. There's a lot of government protocols and you're looking at multiple departments from quarantine uh, department, from course. department environment, federally as well as your state government. 
you know, and so there's so many pieces of the pie that you've got to fit, not only here, but anything from overseas. So whatever their overseas regulations are over there, what permits they need, yep. and you've got to try and marry everything together. And it, it's quite complex. And that's my husband's job. That's right. Cool. Okay. I don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is very complex. And, you know, we've got a really good working relationship now with Department of Environment and Quarantine in particular on doing all those imports and exports. So we do a lot, not just for ourselves, but for other zoos. So yep. we've uh, imported uh, marmosets and tamarins for other zoos, uh, squirrel monkeys. We've imported um, spider monkeys, uh, zebras, and lions, baboons. Um, you know, we've had so many different uh, animals, aldebaran tortoises, servals. Yep. Yeah, the list, caracals, the list goes on forever. We've got... Um, yeah, a whole heap of that we've done that very few small zoos put in because, as I say, it's a minimum two years paperwork and uh, the zebras took six. To, uh, I mean, to see firsthand your affinity with these animals is quite extraordinary. I mean, you know, walking yeah. through there with you yeah. and just seeing your interaction with the animals, but their interaction with you. Yeah, and you didn't even go through all of these. And we didn't. Yeah, I mean, we just touched the surface, but yeah. I, it's extraordinary. I've, you know. I've had bird keepers go, how come you get that reaction from yeah. the birds? I don't get that. And I feed them every day. Um, but a part of it is that I've done whatever hand raising or I've got the history with particular animals. You yep. know, uh, there's a baboon that we imported who I've always thought that she disliked me um, until one day when I was doing a talk and as I was heading with the group of people down to them, she got up high and she did the great big woof the going warning cry. Um, and people who had been standing there waiting and watching her said, she's just warning you there's a snake gone in that garden. <gasps> And um, I was like, oh, and I thought she didn't like me. <laughs> there you go. Um, but, you know, I was still part of the family. So you've got that history with them. As I say, we've been there for 20 years now. Yeah. And um, actually those baboons were the first ones, animals we imported. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's something that comes from just building that relationship of being there day yep. in, day out. And so you are the most familiar person that they have in their lives virtually, yep. you know. And so, yeah, there's a few of us who just have been there so long that they react totally different to us, to what they do, even the people who are looking after them. I know this will be a bit like picking a favourite child, but do you have a favourite animal? I mean, is there? My, my is there usual one? reply is it depends on who's behaving today. Okay, righto, <laughs> right. That's a that's a that's a fair call too. No, that no, is a fair I mean, call. As a toddler, I was drawn to lions, right? Um, and in general, carnivores, I suppose. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's hard to say. I wouldn't say I love any one species. You love them for who they are. Yep. And they're all different. They're all unique. They're all special. And so, yeah, it does sometimes. Uh, you know, the pelican might be the one that is taking your heart for the day simply because of something they've done, Isn't you know, fantastic? and um, they're all special. You can't, can't break that. Well, I know on your website says you've got to see it to believe it, and I absolutely tell you that is the case. Uh, you've got to go out there and see it, and you will believe it. Darling Down Zoo, you're open uh, every day, 9 till 4. Yes. Uh, and do you close, what, uh, you close Christmas and those sorts Christmas of things? Christmas Day, just, that's it. That's it? Just yeah. the one day you give yourself off? Well, we don't get it off because then it's a skeleton staff because other staff don't all want to work. So we have four people come in on Christmas Day uh, wow. and do all the 
morning main feed clean, check everybody. And um, that usually takes four people roughly about four hours each. And then we'll do anything that needs to be done for the afternoon, Any you know, anybody that's got to get a night Goodness feed. Goodness me. Do you give yourself a holiday at any time? We do give us those little ones. Good. Can't go away for long, but we do Good. have a fantastic team behind us now. Yeah. And it's thanks to them that we do get to have that. But I bet day. you're away going, I wonder what Sam's doing and I wonder what they're uh, doing. We don't get a day off. And you know, we still have to do all the email communications. Yep. We still talk to the staff every day. Um, it's, it is unheard of for us to not do something zoo-related in a day. And that's why it is the place that it is. Uh, If you haven't been out there, if it's been a little while since you've been out there, uh, it's always evolving and changing because the animals are. And it is just such a a wonderful addition to our region and we're so very, very fortunate uh, to have such passionate people, Steve and Stephanie Robinson, who run the uh, Darling Down Zoo, Pilton, 9am to 4pm every day, except Christmas Day. Uh, Make a booking and go on uh, in your family schedule. I'm saying you can just pop out, you don't have to make a but in your family schedule to go out and see this uh, magnificent attraction in our region and support them so that it's here for another 20 years. Uh, and we certainly hope that that is the case. Uh, thank you for your time. This has been absolutely fascinating. And uh, and thank you for what you and Steve have done uh, putting this together. It is just magnificent. And uh, we're so thrilled that it's here in our part of the world. Yeah, it's a good part of the world to live in. Mm, I'll say. <laughs> Even better with uh, with people like yourself in it. So there's our story here on the list of podcasts of uh, the Darling Downs Zoo uh, and how it all came about. Isn't that fascinating? Go and uh, support it so that we can talk about it again in another 20 years' time. Uh, thanks again, Stephanie. Thank you very much.